0: And Evan's going to come forward to us now and read on from John chapter 12 and verse 12, the section verses 13 to 19. Thanks, Evan.
1: I'll start back again because my version has it all as one sentence. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. These things his disciples did not understand at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. For this reason also the people went and met him, because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him.
0: Many of us here, obviously, are familiar with the story of Palm Sunday and the story of Jesus riding on the fall of a donkey. When we think of a donkey, what comes to mind? What characteristics do we think of when we picture a donkey? Stubborn. Out of control? Stubborn. Stubborn? If it's not tamed, it's not tamed yes. It won't get moved, you won't stick, <laughs> well, You can imagine, trying to pull it. So if that's true of a donkey, Than the fall of a donkey, one that hadn't been broken in, so to speak. Well, you can imagine. Do we read of Jesus getting flung off? Do we read of Jesus getting kicked, the donkey? Do we read of Jesus, you know, having to get off because. Even creation, the fall of a donkey recognized who he was, the Lord of creation. But the crowd, they were a different set of people. There were those there, there were the disciples, the people who had followed him, and the people who were very faithful in many ways, although as the story of Holy Week unfolds, and as we were very moving, I was very encouraged. That we remember that story of Jesus telling Peter that the cock would crow and they would deny him three times before that. Those disciples were a right mixed bunch. John, the one who wrote this gospel, he perhaps of them all was the one who was most faithful. The gospel record tells us that he at least was there when he saw Jesus on the cross. The quieter one, the one that tended to think a wee bit more and to listen a wee bit more. Hence the reason why John has things within his gospel that the other gospel writers don't have. Sometimes, what is it, we've got one mouth but two ears. Maybe we need to listen sometimes rather than talk. But the rest of the disciples, and of course one of them, was going to betray him. A mixed and if that was true of the disciples, also true of the crowd. There were people there who had seen the miracles, particularly the tremendous miracle that John records for us of the raising of Lazarus. They were looking for signs. They were looking for excitement. They were looking for that, those things that would attract them and keep their attention. Their attention span, in fact, human attention span, even in those days, was relatively short. It needed to be continually fed, and that's long before social media and all the things that we have nowadays. There were others who were just caught up and were curious as to what was happening because there was a, there was a, there was a crowd. A crowd attracts a crowd. One of the reasons why it's important on a Sunday, the Lord's Day, that churches are seen to, for people to go in, because I think that makes people stop thinking, what's going on in there? A crowd attracts a crowd, and people come along and get carried along with that for a period. But you don't need to be in the life of the church for very long to know that often what happens is people get carried along for a while, and then something else comes along, and they go after that, the next attraction, the next thing. And then there were those who were genuinely wondering. Those who were watching. We've been following on a Wednesday afternoon, Mark's gospel. And that's certainly when you see it visualized before you, just the text of the gospel, but actually played out and done very well. Then you can see the dynamics of those, including some of the religious leaders who were watching and wondering. During the events of the next few days, some of them, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, would actually begin to discover truly who this man was and is. But others. The writer tells us very clearly that at the end of that little section the Pharisees said to one another, see this is getting us nowhere, look how the whole world has gone after them." The sad thing is the Pharisees are the very kind of people who should have known. They were the people of the book, they were the people who knew the Old Testament, inside, out, up, down, round about. But you see just knowledge, head knowledge of itself, Isn't enough? In fact, sometimes head knowledge can become a stumbling block. I know it. I've seen it. I've got it. It's all sewed up. Jesus somehow didn't fit into their idea of what it all meant. The status quo. Their position of security. Their superiority over others, especially over the crowd. And so they tried to trick him, and they were going to continue perhaps to do that, but the Gospel writers make it clear now they are in the business of plotting against him. And using the very people who normally the Pharisees would have nothing to do with, but using unholy alliances in order to gang up And this man who, as the writer tells us, the world has gone after. How varied. And yet the story tells us that Jesus rode in and he heard all the crowd he heard them saying the things and John records what the other gospel writers tell us Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the king of Israel do not be afraid daughter of Zion see your king is coming seated in a donkey's coat he heard all of that a fulfillment of what the anointed one was to be But in a sense, did it turn his head? Did he think, oh great, look at last, they're all really coming round to it. Did it take him in? Was he taken in by the crowd? No. John tells us, indeed again, the gospel writers tells us, he knew what was in people's hearts. And that's true this morning. Even as we sit here, he knows what's in our hearts. He knows where we would be in that crowd. He knows where we would be in the story of Holy Week. Ranging from the John who stood and wondered and wept, to the Peter who denied and recognized his own failure, to those who had been following the crowd but then shouted for his death, to those who drifted on to some new interest. And God forbid, and I mean that reverently, that there should be any here who actually in their hearts hasn't set apart Jesus, hasn't set apart Jesus as Lord, but really doesn't want him. He knows what dwells within us. But all the gospel writers tell us he set his face resolutely to Jerusalem and to the cross, not swayed by public opinion or by the challenges of the flesh and of the body, but fixed his eyes on what was set before him and received the crowd's acclamation, for he is the king, and creation recognizes it and the fall of the donkey was privileged to bring him in and to submit to him, but knowing all that would befall him. Let's sing together the hymn, make way, make way for Christ
1: the King. we'll stand to sing. From verse 20, now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus.
0: One of the encouragements as a minister within our own congregation is how many engage in some other form of reflection, apart from a Sunday morning. And obviously that's our main service of public worship But those who come during the week. And I found in that quite a more reflective devotional. In some ways, you're you're sitting listening and you're engaging in that kind of way. Those who come to the fellowship groups, the various fellowship groups we run, and the conversations, and I certainly find them always very stimulating and, and, and helpful and, and on, Wednesday, on Thursday night at the, the men's group that meets at the man's we were talking uh, and Evan actually was very ably leading us through a, a reflection of what is to be filled with the spirit but uh, as usual it was very good it kept us in line we, you know what it it's like you tend to sometimes wonder a wee bit into the you know into the grass um, but we were talking about society very rightly so and what does it mean to be a Christian? Yes, filled and, and in tune with God in our contemporary society, and the many challenges that our society faces. And, and it's almost week by week we hear of things and we see of things that must cause us to wonder how we need God's Spirit living within us to be spirit filled Christians. It's not the, that's not a prerogative of only one part of the church. But encouragingly, I was, I was sharing with them about the trying praying booklets, and we have gone through 250 of them. And I know many of you got them within the congregation, and I know some people got them, blessed you, and handed them on to people you work beside them. And that was deeply encouraging, that we passed and shared it to others. But many others have gone from the wee box at the front of the church, and the gate, and not just them, really this week at particular, because we'd run out of them, which is a good sign, and Janice has kindly ordered another box of another hundred. And we debated whether we should maybe get 50 or 100, We thought, well, they don't go out of date, does it? The call to praise never goes out of date. Um, and they were going through them quite quickly. So we had other booklets, actually, ones that Elizabeth had got little scripture gift mission ones, on prayer. And I slipped them on Thursday. I put in stuff different we've got. I've got stuff through the vestry, obviously, over the years. And so I had filled it up with some things before I went away last week. It had all gone. And so I filled it up on Thursday with some more booklets of that type on prayer. So I put in, I thought, three, that that bit. You can take five, but three's enough, plus if it's too full, you know. And that was at 12 o'clock back down because I was rearranging the church at four o'clock. One had already gone. Now we think. But just think about it. Somebody in the main street, in broad daylight, stopped, looked up at the poster perhaps, looked at the wee box, went over, opened it up, and took one out while folk were going about. That actually takes courage. It? It takes courage. And many... People have done that over the last, what, 18 months or so since we started. I was urging one of my friends to take it on. It's something, it's not the only form of evangelism a church you've been involved in, of course not. But actually, it's amazing. So I put in, I filled, I've replaced it. I put in, so there was five in. Do you know how many were there yesterday afternoon? One. Just one. So it's topped up again. So we better get the books quick. Why are people doing it? Well, there's a host of reasons, like the crowd. But I sense, do you not sense, that there are ordinary, decent folk who are thinking, what is going on in our world? About our children growing up, and the things that we hear and see about in education, and and in the media, and everything else. You know, the world at war, the world that's divided. The Greeks, God-fearing Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the festival, for the Passover, they, 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 they were God-fearing people. They would have had contact with Jewish believers in the one true God and they had become followers of the one true God. They were always regarded just as a wee bit. There was a separate court for them, the Gentiles, which was kind of out a wee bit, you know, not right in. They're okay, but just, you know. And they saw the crowd. And they would no doubt hear what had been happening. And they came to Philip, and the suggestion is that Philip was a Greek-speaking, obviously, so you'd understand their their language. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda and Galilee, with a request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. You know, it's a wee verse we could easily pass over, and and rightly so, because there's many important things that we're going to touch upon in a few minutes, but actually I think it's one of the most important verses in our understanding of what it is to be a Christian in a church. Questioning, wondering, thinking, looking. And who do they go to? They're not going to come into a building. They weren't going to go straight up to Jesus, but they'll speak. Oh, they'll speak to you. And you. And you. Because they know that, well, you kind of go to that church and, and we've kind of heard that kind of take it a bit seriously because you go every week. <laughs> and perhaps maybe even sometimes they've cottoned on that you actually pray and seem to, you know, and you don't go about preaching or anything else. You're just a follower of Jesus, showing, showing by the Spirit His fruit in your life. And questioning, and wondering, and looking and searching. They say, can you tell me something about Jesus? But Easter? About what you do in there? But what it's all about. And perhaps you think, well, I'm not very good at telling people. So you need to go and talk to Andrew. To a brother and sister in Christ. And perhaps you need to go to Jesus, i.e. pray to him and ask for wisdom and guidance. To give them a booklet. To invite them to a service. To actually listen to their life story and what's going on. We want to see Jesus. You know, if anybody was to say that to you tomorrow or even today, I want to find out more. Wouldn't that warm your heart and stir your spirit and cause you to say, of course, I don't have all the answers. I don't have the questions, but here I know someone, that's not me, I know someone who does jesus said i am the way the truth and the life how we need to pray that in the days in which we live god by his spirit would stir hearts and there would be those those who have never taken one of those try praying booklets or the ones that were put in who are so desperate actually that they'll stand, in a sense, in the street, in public, and open up and take it out when other folk are passing and watching? Would you do that? Because they want an answer to life and
1: to living. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. And he went away and hid himself from them.
0: We have recorded in the the whole gospel story from the various gospel writers, three events when a voice came from heaven. At his baptism, the voice, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. And the mountain transfiguration, a voice from heaven, this is my son, listen to him. And now again a voice from heaven. The crowd heard it and were moved and challenged. But nonetheless, as they heard it, the voice said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again in response to the prayer of Jesus, the cry of Jesus, Father, glorify your name. What was the mission of Jesus? What was he about? Even today, that's an issue that's talked about within the church and within the wider world. And rightly, people will emphasize various aspects of that ministry of Jesus. They will rightly emphasize the fact that, yes, he reached out to those who were on the fringes of society, to those who were beyond, in a sense, the the respectable religious core of society. He had compassion on the multitude. He healed. He fed. He cared for those who were lost, lonely. So, people will say, well, that was the ministry of Jesus. In one sense, a a social ministry, a, a healing, a practical ministry of care and compassion. Other people will say, well, his business was to transform society by transforming the church. He came to challenge the religious establishment, to overthrow their wrong notions of what Religion was all about of who God was and of what was the business of the temple and everything else. He came to provoke them to consider that and to change that. And that certainly was part of his ministry and we see the reaction from that. But above everything else the gospel writers are clear that Jesus from the very beginning and certainly as his life developed grew into knowing all that was set before him. That's why, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried to his father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And all that was to be involved when he set his face to Jerusalem, when he entered into that city, when he went through Holy Week, he did so because he knew what that would mean. And he makes that very clear here, as Evan read to us, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Whoever serves me must follow him. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. He there using yes picture language speaks of the death that was going to lead to life. The death that was going to lead to, yes, an impact in the world far beyond purely challenging a religious establishment, or yes, dare I say, feeding the hungry. A radical transformation of a life and of lives in preparation for a new heaven and a new earth. And that's why, even as he said this words, he says, now my soul is troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The cross wasn't an accident, it wasn't a result of failure. It wasn't a result of some botched up ministry or plan or the disciples not getting it right or anything else. The cross was why he came. Remember the baby, the shepherds, the lamb, and the gold, and the frankincense, and the myrrh, and Simeon. And his prophecy that he would be set, the baby that they were carrying would be set for the rising and falling of many and a sword would pierce your own heart too. And what's he he to be called? He's to be called Jesus, a common enough name, but an extraordinary claim. He will save his people from their sins. It's all there. Zechariah sees the one coming, riding on a foal of a donkey. The psalmist hears the echo of Jerusalem and the welcome of the king of righteousness into the midst. Prophets foretold him. Angels beheld him. But it was ordinary punters like us that watched it all be fulfilled and flow through Holy Week. And that promise, when I am lifted up, I will draw men and women to myself. Why are you in church this morning? Well, I would hope and pray and think that for most of us, if not for all of us, we're here because we saw Jesus. Not in Jerusalem, not in Calvary, not 2,000 years ago, but by the Spirit, He was revealed to us. We saw Him. Yes, in His majesty, in His meekness, in the glory of who He is, but also in the brokenness that He entered into. Our great high priest. We bowed the knee and we confessed our need and we laid claim to that lamb, and asked that his blood shed would be for us. I hope that's why we're here this morning. And if it's not, then it must be why you're here next Sunday, because now is the day of salvation now is the light. Walk while you have the light because there is a warning before darkness overtakes you. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become a child of the light. That crowd was fickle. And there were so many different kinds of people in it. But there were those who followed that through, including the disciples. And John tells us, they didn't really understand what was happening, but he does tell us only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. It may be that this Easter, For some of us, in a new and fresh way, we'll discover who Jesus really
1: is. Heavenly Father, none of us can pretend to know how hard it was for you and for your son Jesus to go through that Easter week so long ago. To know, fine well what you had to do and what Jesus had to sacrifice, but to willingly go and to willingly offer himself up, to know that it would glorify you, Father, and to know that it would save all of us. And Lord God, I pray as we all go through this week and we look to Easter itself, that we would be mindful that Jesus knew what was going to happen, that he knew that this was not the end of the road, but certainly the end of his time on earth, and that he would have to leave his friends and the people that he had met and cared for and loved, and to see the care that he had for his disciples and for the people around him and the people that he met and the people that he healed and fed and saved. But Lord God, we also know that he threw down the gauntlet for us and that he has challenged us to follow him and... And to know that even though we do not physically anymore put ourselves up for crucifixion on a cross, but that he does tell us to die for him and to die to self and to die to what we want and to live instead for what you want and for what Jesus wants through us. And Lord God, I pray all these things, knowing that I, like any of us, would struggle to fulfill that calling, would struggle to, to meet that standard, And we pray for your Holy Spirit that Jesus has graciously sent in his place to keep that in mind for us and to strengthen us for not just this Easter week, but for all the weeks ahead. And we pray that just as Jesus did, that while we have the light of your word and the light of your son, that we would walk as if we are in the light. For we do know where we are going, Lord. The light shows the way, even though the world walks in darkness, that we are like those who walk in the light. And we praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you, Eva. You should have received a copy of the intimation sheet as you came into church. And right at the very beginning, there is a, a note of our services during the week. The church will be open as, as it is normally on a Tuesday and a Wednesday evening, and Thursday morning. And as part of that, we will have normal time of each devotional and we obviously in the Holy Week journey as we journey through part of that. So can I encourage you to, to access that opportunity and then on Thursday evening here in the church we're going to be sharing together in the Lord's Supper and reflecting on that and that again will be set out in the middle of the church and so an invitation I would really encourage you. Over the years we used to have very large crowds and turnouts and we had United Services For a number of reasons, including COVID, the the life of the church here now is much reduced, nuddingsome, and weakened. Uh, And there are other reasons, obviously, why there were differences between various congregations, one has to say. And so, obviously, we're looking to the congregation here to invite perhaps even family friends, perhaps people from other churches that don't have anything happening during this week to join with us on Thursday evening as we share together the bread and wine of communion. The church will be open on Friday, between 12 and three, and half past two. I'll lead in a short reflection on the cross. And then we join with our friends in Bothwell, what used to be Bothwell Evangelical Church, Grace Church now is in Bothwell. Um, and you perhaps remember that Richard Gamble, the pastor, they spoke here last Good Friday, so I've been invited to go and speak there. And so it's a united service, and there's an invitation. And I do hope that a reasonable number from Pack, I'll, I'll be counting, I'll be counting a reasonable number from Pat will come and support that. We really do need to reach out the hand and, and be seen to be in fellowship with other congregations and so I commend that to you on Friday evening. And then on Easter Sunday we'll gather together to celebrate the resurrection and that will be a service for all ages next Sunday morning. During the week you'll see not today but during the week we'll be having our offering as we often have at Easter time for the sponsorship scheme that um, enables us to help to fund children. Young people go to scripture union camps and so that will be the main thing for during the week. And then last but not least the ladies association and quite rightly on Holy Week because it's a very spiritual meeting that they have and very much focuses on things of the Lord. They are gathering on Thursday afternoon when Beverly McCluskey, I think a member of Easter House Baptist Church, will be coming, she's a painter, and through her paintings communicates the Christian message and the Christian story, and so she'll be sharing a wee bit about that, and I believe picture cards of her work will also be available for those who might want to purchase them. So that's the intimations I would commend to you all that gathers. I not expect you all to be every single one, of course not, but the church is open, so it's there for you, but also for our community. So we've updated our website with all the information on it for the community over this week. And do pray that some, perhaps, who have taken some of these booklets would think, let's just go in there and find out more about Jesus. It's a special time of year for all of us. Easter is, but it's also a special time of year, especially for those who are looking forward to a big event in their life. And a week on Thursday... James and Rachel will be getting married at Darnley United Free Church. I'll actually be up in Aberdeen on the same day doing a wedding for Stephen Uwe, Helen's oldest son. So two weddings on the same day. So Elizabeth's coming to yours and I'm going to Aberdeen. But would you both like to come out to the front here just for a minute? I'll make sure you keep away from the greenery. We obviously want as a church family to rejoice with you this coming, well, 10 days or so. We've been more than 10 days, not long. Are you all organized? More or less. (laughs) You say more or less and you say, well, yes. I'm sure you you are, Rachel. Last Sunday Elizabeth and I were at Kemya Mount Vernon Church and it was lovely to it's always actually nice. I hope this happens eventually when I move away. It's nice even after twenty four years to go back and folk actually once who were there could be but there actually said, Oh, it's lovely to see you. It's always good to leave well, so you could always go back. (laughs) (laughs) So even after all this time. But it reminded me, uh, and Elizabeth, that all those years ago I baptized you in Kemu Mount Vernon Church. God's been faithful to you and to your family over many years, and He brought Rachel across your path, a fine Christian woman and a fine family who are very committed to the Lord and to His work in Darnley. I do believe She's headhunted you for Darnley. <laughs> well, our loss will be their gain, James. And just you should remember that our loss will be their gain, and we do and we will assure you of our love and prayers not just for your wedding, but for your life together. You're living in East Kilbride, yeah. and um, you never know, a house might come up sometime, um, or even Broomhouse. <laughs> yeah. Broomhouse yes. But wherever you live, I know you both want to serve the Lord. You met each other through UF things, but also through Scripture Union camps. Elizabeth's laid up this morning, but um, she's not well again, but unfortunately. But she would like to have been very much so, because... That was part of the way in which you connected with each other. God uses these things to bring one another and and our life's partner across our paths. So we rejoice with you, and we commend you both to the Lord. Let's stand as we pray for this couple, and also for Stephen and Sophia. God, our Father, we do thank you for what it means to be a church family. And that certainly, again, came home to me and Elizabeth just last Sunday as we joined by the folks at Camry Mount Vernon. And we thank you that whatever the label is or the geographical locality is of the church, that in Jesus Christ we are part of the one church of God. And so we rejoice in fellowship. And we rejoice as we see our children grow up and Remain within the Lord and within the faith. I thank you for my own family and for the blessing of that. We thank you for James and for Rachel. And of how they've been brought up within a Christian home. They have owned the Lord for themselves. And serve him. And Lord, particularly we thank you for all the years of service that James has done. Within Connect. The technical team. Helping out in holiday clubs. And just been willing to be a pair of hands offered to you and to your people here. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for Rachel's life of service within her own congregation. We thank you for their life of service within their different callings and work. And we thank you that as they come together, you will use them as a couple to be a blessing to others in Darnley and in wherever else they may be and worship and serve. And so we commend them to you as a couple. We ask that as they're married a week and Thursday, they would know in a very real sense your hand of blessing on their life together. That as they go on to know each other, to grow and to deepen in their love for each other, as they explore all that marriage will bring to them and that life together means for them. So we ask, O Holy Spirit, that you would sanctify their union and seal them together in the Lord and in your ways in the days that lie ahead. And so we commend them to you. We think too of Stephen and Sophie. They're being married on the same day up in Aberdeen. And we do pray your blessing upon them as well as they too commit themselves to each other in love. Lord, we thank you for times of celebration. We rejoice with those who rejoice, And yet even in our rejoicing, we are mindful of those who are struggling and finding the way hard at this time. Enable us through that sensitivity that perhaps you alone can provide to draw near to the weary and the worn and the sad. And so we thank you for this dear couple and we commend them to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please, James, take this little gift from the church and a card and another little gift. And also, Elizabeth put together. I tell you, I never realised your hair was as long as it used to be. <laughs> I I tell you, yes, yes, that would have been improvements, the improvements. This we've a wee bit, you know, shortened a wee bit. Yes, if he comes back in a few years' time, he's bald. Then we'll know that you're really, you know. But anyway, you're very dear to me, and to all of us here. I wish you well. Okay. A wee round of applause. There you, are. Please be seated. Um, and if you want to discuss with me about the doctrines of infant baptism and the importance of covenant theology, I feel quite fired up after commending James into God's care in the future. I think that's all. The intimations. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, as we know. Uh, it would be nice to have a cup of tea after the service, and so we're looking for volunteers. So, if there maybe two or three of you would like to t- take the opportunity next Sunday to offer tea, and we'll do it through in the hall because it's an all in service, so the kids will be in here, then perhaps maybe we could have a wee word with them after the service. I'm not volunteering my wife because she isn't very great and she might not be feeling up for it for next week. So, any vol- we don't want 100 people doing it all in there in the kitchen, nobody in here, but if there's a wee group of you, then let's have tea next Sunday. It's been good to be together in the Lord's house. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we rejoice and are glad to be found together upon him. So let's conclude our worship by singing a hymn. And you'll know this tune. We're going to stand to sing a hymn. It's a hymn actually that we've not such a modern hymn, but it fits into this traditional hymn tune. And so we're going to stand to sing praise to Christ, the Lord and carried gift of God by human beings. And after that, we'll say together the words of the grace.